Hi, Roger. How you doing? Hey, Mom. I'm doing all right. How are you? Not bad for a nice spring beginning. Yes, we're back, people. You missed us? Hope you did. We've been thinking about you. Not really. Uh, Last episode, we talked about jails and the difference between jails, prisons, and we talked about mass incarceration and how it's a for-profit business and the needs for systematic change um, and the importance of voting, being vocal about those issues that affect all of us, our communities, tax dollars. But today we have a good show planned. Let's move into that. I'm Angela, the mom. I'm Raja, the daughter. And, and this, this is, is Talking, Talking Brown Sugar. Sugar. I want some of your brown sugar. Today we're in the sugar bowl for a quick dip. My random thought, wigs. Trying on wigs at the beauty salon. You know how you go in the store and you see the wigs that you want to try on? And you be watching other people trying on three or four wigs. And the lady wants to hand you a wig that you chose, but that's not the one you really want to try. And they hand you a little hairnet. And you be like, uh, somebody just tried this on. Sometimes you don't think about it, but once you get home, you head start itching or you feel a little strange. I just pick out one and just keep it moving. I, I don't try on my wigs. I don't try on wigs either at the beauty salon store, but I guess that's why you, you have the rule of wearing the the wig cap. Yeah, but, you know, you just don't know if it was packaged and you get home and you look at it. You're like, this somebody trying this wig. You're like, this wig smells funny. A quick remedy for that is to wash your wig. You could use apple cider vinegar or whatever um, shampoos you use and apple uh, cider vinegar on the wig. Just make sure you read um, all the um, materials and things that were used to make the wig before you wash it. Yes, because you know what? If you get that cute synthetic, don't try to put that in no dry or something, honey. you get a poof. Now it's... Human hair, we could do a little bit more. Sugar cubes, aka the news, where we put a little sugar in your drink cup. Um, this first article is written by Yara Simone. For many POC, the college cheating scandal lays bare the hypocrisy of affirmative action opposition. Before even starting their first day of college, many first-generation students, people of color, and low-income students, and those who fall all under all of these categories feel at a disadvantage. After all, the already stressful process of college applications become even more intense when you have to navigate it alone or worry about the fees associated with applying. Then there are the constant challenges of income inequality when these students finally arrive on campus, whether it's having to wait to buy books until financial aid kicks in or finding that your K-12 through schooling did not match up to your peers. These disparities can cause students to suffer imposter syndrome and question whether they really belong at an elite academic institution. 
And if they're unlucky, they have also been told by peers that the only reason they were admitted is because of affirmative action. Mm. The experience of low-income or minority students in an elitist college system have become all the more stark as news broke about a large college admissions scandal, a $25 million scheme in which wealthy parents bribe their children's way into prestigious universities. Many have begun speaking out about how an already elitist system, which shuts people out because of low test scores and income levels, is even more broken than they previously realized. For example, actress Lori Walhan, Aunt Becky, and her husband, J. Mosimo Gi- what is it? Janali. Janali allegedly paid 500000 in bribes so that their daughters could be accepted to the University of Southern California as crew team recruits, even though neither of the two children row crew. To add insult to injury, one of Logland's daughters, 19-year-old YouTube influencer Olivia Jade said she didn't even care about attending college. What do you say about that? And people right here studying and trying to get in and get financial aid. I'm sick of them. I went to a PWI and I remember not so much as with my peers, but with like when we had different events, like parents and adults of students, you could tell, or family members of students will often look at me or some of my peers of color or, you know, other peers as um, if we didn't belong on campus. And I'm like, you go on my campus, look at me like this. You oh, chill out. I'm all here. I'm here on a merit scholarship and other scholarships, honey. And I'm paying, um, you know, via loan. Like, I am I deserve to be here. I had made great, great um, grades in school. SAT, um, Lord can't talk. SAT scores were popping. So just having somebody look at me with attitude, like, mm, or just, you know, like, why am I in this presence? Or, you know, like, I deserve to be here. And I never felt, you know, I never questioned it. But I did question my peers who would come to class smelling like weed, marijuana, reefer, Mary Jane every other day. How did you get here? How are you passing this class? How is she walking with me? And, you know, all kinds of crazy things. Just stuff like that. Other crazy things that went on. Um, And I'm sure everybody has a story about things they've seen people get away with and they still walked on time. Yeah, because I was used to listen to you tell me things. And I can refer back to myself, too, going to school and watching kids. And if you take classes with them or you see them and you don't see them, something's just not right. I am so glad they have popped the head on this bump so everybody can be exposed. I know, and it's just funny um, how this is coming out when we're thinking about how the national student loan debt has been climbing. All those people who've taken out debts, I mean loans to go to college, you know, four years or however long they went to school, and it's literally like a lifetime repayment process, and... Um, you don't necessarily, you're not guaranteed any leg up in society if you're a person of color um, or, you know, someone who is English as a second language person, like, or just any kind of minority. Um, and not, and I don't like the word minority because I know a lot of people assume when they hear minority, they think black. But in the sense of minority, they mean the smallest, like, 
you know, categorical number of a group at an institution as a whole. So a minority at an HBCU could literally be the white people attending that school or Asian people attending an HBCU. It doesn't always have to be black. And that's why I like the word, but um, that's another tangent for another day. Um, but it's just funny, too, because, you know, they pointed out how um, Aunt Becky's daughter is a YouTube influencer. And she said on her channel and in a couple of other videos how, you know, she didn't go to class. She don't care about going to class. She don't even want to be in school. And, you know, as a YouTube influencer, she has her own cash flow, not to mention whatever she gets from her parents. Um, but thinking about how much money you pay in bribes, that's not tuition. That's how much you're paying in bribes to get your kid in the door. How many, like, sacrifices do parents, you know, of kids of color, um, how, how, what kind of sacrifices are they making, um, to get their schools, their kids in better schools or education? You think about the black moms who go to jail five, 12 years just because they use somebody else's address to get their school, their kid in a better district. Really? Really. Moving on to a different article from the Washington Post. Um, This is about the New Zealand um, attack. It says, this is what leadership looks like. U.S. Democrats rally as New Zealand bans military-style guns. Um, This was popular in the news because people, um, you know, we've had so many shootings in the U.S., um, but not necessarily any gun laws or any political steps taken to um, further, I guess, increase like gun safety. You know, we haven't added anything to the list of what you need to get a gun. If anything, 45 has actually um, moved to remove the um, intellectual piece that's required or the intellectual capacity you know, test and requirement to own a gun. He's trying to get that uh, moved or removed. Um, But in New Zealand, they moved with relative um, political urgency to ban military-style semi-automatic weapons in the wake of Friday's massacre at two Christchurch mosques, spiking a discussion in Washington. If a ban could happen there, could also happen here. Um, And another thing to note is how in the U.S., you know, nationalism, how we bring a lot of stories back to us, us, U.S., us. Um, Just, like, I don't know why we still compare ourselves to other countries. Like, um, other than us being in the U.S., what's so great about being in the U.S.? And that's not to take away from any advances that we have had and, um, you know, as far as, like, being able to get education, but then you look at the system, it's rigged. Like, there's so many catch-22s about the things, the good things that we have. Like, it's not good for everybody in this country. I agree. Just like some countries can stop something in 24 hours. It takes us decades, centuries. We go back and forth with Congress, our state senators, our mayors. Take it to the government parliament. Still nothing done about it. Yeah, but um, one thing to note is all of the positive that has been coming out um, from this since 
um, movements to focus on the victims, the people, who, the 50 who lost their lives, um, from the children, the adults, people, and the actions they took. Um, also, um, the New Zealand um, Prime Minister making sure to separate the hate from the country as a whole, um, but also making it a point to criminalize anybody sharing the live video, anybody sharing his manifesto. Um, New Zealanders all across have been surrounding the mosque themselves, like physically using their body to separate um, any any kind of attack. Um, different women, like interfaith women, have been covering their heads as well and scarves. Um, one woman even expressing how she didn't want, like in case if you know another person tried to attack them, how she would put her body in front, and she wanted you know to show a, a symmetry and um, that we're all the same, and that there's no difference just because someone's wearing a headscarf. Um, but the fact that they've made like it just speaks volumes how quickly they were able to get such legislation passed, you know. After this incident, how many mass students have we had? You can name a few. I know you can. And what, you know, what have we had change? You think about the NRA and its involvement and just the web of organizations and institutions that are behind um, preventing any kind of action being taken as well as just none, no no progress being made in general. And other international news, like uh, Cyclone Edai, um, they're talking about caller cases reported and the storm hit Mozambique. Um, over 600 people lost their lives. Um, it says a week after the flooded Mozambican port of Bira was hit by Cyclone Edai, cases of cholera have been recorded, a humanitarian aid group said on Friday. The International Federation of Red Cross and Red Cross Crescent Societies uh, warned the risk of uh, other outbreaks already, noting an increase in malaria. The storm um, has so far killed 557 people across Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and Malawi, but the death toll is expected to rise. Ida made landfall near Bira, um, hitting about 106 miles per hour winds on March 14th. Eight workers are slowly delivering uh, relief, but conditions are said to be extremely difficult with some areas completely inaccessible and a scarcity of helicopters. Um, So there are about 1.7 million people who are said to be affected across southern Africa with no electricity or running water in areas where homes have been swept away and roads destroyed by the floods. Uh, We just wanted to make mention in this article, um, just... You know, remind everybody to be aware of what's going on around in the world um, in different countries because they do impact how we move in our day-to-day as well, even though you know, might, might not think about it. Um, this is coming from... Uh, the last article is from BBC. Um, this article is coming from Atlanta Black Star. Um, Bronx students emerge victorious after three-day lockout demanding change after racist video surfaces. Students at a New York City high school have ended a three-day lockout of a campus administration building sparked by an outrage over a racist video that resurfaced earlier this week. 
y'all after nearly 72 hours extensive back and forth with the administration and the overwhelming support of you all the lockout is over new jersey activist zili imani tweeted about the protests at ethical culture filton school in the bronx on monday dozens of students staged a protest locking administrators out of their offices following a racist video circulating around the school according to new york magazines the cut the video first supported um, on in February, reportedly showed fields and students using racist, homophobic, and misogynistic language. Head of school Jessica Bagby um, sent home a letter to parents last, last month explaining the video was made a few years ago. That's in quotes. And added that an investigative investigation was launched after administrators were made aware of it on February 13th. One student involved in the video withdrew from Filson, according to Bagby. However, the administration was tight-lipped about what disciplinary action was taken or would be taken against the other students involved. Although it seems that all the students involved in the offense are no longer at Filson, as the school said they were seniors, this seemed to be the root of Monday's protest in which students expressed dissatisfaction with the lack of transparency about how the school handled the incident. We are here today in light of recent events, imploring those who desire to see the institution move forward to stand in solidarity with the students of color and white allies of the ethical culture Fieldston community, the group Students of Color Matter wrote on their Instagram page, which featured photos and videos from the campus demonstration. Today, a lockout will take place in the administration building as a means to force our administration to acknowledge the concerns we have been bringing to their attention over the past several years, it continued. In an interview, a student named Josh told the New York Daily News that the students of color at the predominantly white private school are treated like second-class citizens compared to the white kids. The lockout is to try to shed light on the fact that students of color really aren't being represented here at school, Josh said. All students' immediate demands laid out in a press release, including having a disciplinary action taken against the students. In the video, made public a written apology from each of the students involved and a global investigation into the culture and racism at Filson. Students also called on the administration to recruit and retain more minority students, hire more faculty of color, require bias training for all employees, and implement a mandated black student's study scores among other things. While Filson prides itself on its dedication to diversity, ethics, and progressivism, active reform surrounding the issues has been delayed for too long, the group wrote. We are no longer willing to let the necessary changes be pushed to the sidelines. Our actions aim to prevent future generations from having to face the same forms of emotional trauma and harassment we face daily. Students have received um, support from school leaders throughout the lockout, but refused to abandon their efforts until administrators agreed to their most immediate demands in writing, reported ABC News. The moment finally came late Wednesday. I agree. I'm glad the kids stood up for themselves as a team. Just to talk about a whole lot of things that we... We don't know what's going on in the school systems. We send our kids there, hoping they have a good day and come back and tell us how their day went. And then they come back with this stuff. You know, that's not fair to those kids. Yeah, um, 
shouts out to all those children involved, the supporters, the allies, um, for just taking action, getting things done. Uh, the students of color matter, um, their movement and everything. Um, they seem really well organized. Um, their messages were clear and well thought out. Um, but that's something they've been dealing with for years. And it's unfortunate that they had to do this. So there's no telling what they're really learning. Um, but their demands, just, you know, um, praises to them. I'm proud of them. Um, and I'm excited. Um, and I hope that the administration sticks to um, what they wrote as far as accepting the demands and that they do have um, some racial equity training for the employees and they hire more faculty um, of color because that stuff matters um, and your how you're how you're being educated who's educating you um, there's a lot of re- research on you know having authority figures that look like you um, we have the proper training to interact with you because um you know, you, we don't, like you were saying, Mom, we don't know what the children have to face when they're at school. No, because I remember when y'all used to come home and ask you how your day was, I can tell if you had a good day, and then you, sometimes you say, Mom, don't go up there. I say, is it going to make it worse for you, or is it going to make it better? But I took it upon myself. I want to find out what's going on with my child, because this is the future. Yes, um... I just can't wait to see what comes out of this um, story, and I hope that they keep their foots on their necks. Yeah. Um, gonna end our new cycle on a good foot. I mean, that was a good foot, but a little positive. Um, the trash bag challenge is a wonderful viral chin that has people picking up trash everywhere. This is from Nifty. So. I don't know if y'all have been seeing this, but online, um, someone challenged people who take pictures or, you know, people to take pictures in an area that's in their community, neighborhood, or where they travel often. Um, that's really neglected. It's trashy. It's dirty. Take a before and after picture. The before picture with the dirty environment setting. And clean it up with your friends. Have a cleanup party. Um, show how you approve the area with, you know, the pictures of the trash bags. Um, where you collected all the trash and debris that needs to be removed. And it's taken on um, by so many people. Um, I think this is a brilliant movement and hashtag. And it shows the power of social media if, you know, we have the right idea behind it. Um, you know, compared to things like Momo um, and other negative hashtags you can think about. But um, just a positive, positive thing to do. Um, so if you have a trash bag story, um, share with the world using the hashtag trash tag. Get some friends, take a before picture with the dirty environment, clean it up, and take a picture after. Wellness check. Let's talk about contact lens eyeglasses. I wear contacts and I wear glasses. First of all, you should get your eyes checked every year. 
because you don't want to get cataracts or anything that's growing in your eyes. Check on your retina. Check for high blood pressure, diabetes. The good thing about contact lens, you can be hands-free. You can wear all kinds of fancy glasses, color contact lens, all that cute stuff. But on a, um, I guess, hazard, don't share nobody else's contact lens because they have to measure your eyes. And please see an ophthalmologist to get your eyes checked. Don't be going to the beauty supply store, buying those cute um, fake contact lens because you could be allergic and go blind. Believe it. Or you can scratch your cornea um, when you blink, every time you blink. It's suggested that you do go to your optometrist um, and just get fitted or purchase the ones that they have. Because it's not going to be any prescription if you're lucky. Um, you can get them for a discounted price as well. Yes, and you know, like getting glasses, you can get fancy frames and they have a new kind of transition with different colors besides the, that funny gray. But now they got blue, green, red. And just like your contact lens, if you want something crazy, the doctor can order them to fit your eyes. And you can be healthy, be cute, sassy, handsome, whatever you want to do. But be healthy when you do your contact lens, you know. Make sure you proper handling, keeping them clean, keep the vials clean that you keep them in. So you know what? You don't want to go blind. And they have all kinds. You've got bifocals, trifocals. They have them. Soft, polygon. They have all kinds of stuff now. Before it was glass. Then it was hard plastic. So, hey. Yeah, even if you have astigmatism, I have a little bit. I wear contacts. I even have color contacts. Um, just don't be afraid to ask for what you want. Um, also, I have a bad habit of this. Um, take your contacts out at night or, you know, when you're not out and about and don't need to read things or read people. Take your contacts out. Let them soak. Clean them. Um you should also get your prescription changed for your glasses. Like you can wear your glasses up to two years, but after two years, that's when it starts to degrade. So with your glasses, you have a little longer. But, yeah, every year is good. Stay pretty and keep blinking. Wink, wink. This main discussion will be talking about death and funerals. If you would like to skip this part of the episode, feel free. Do what you need to do for you. So I was watching an episode, a couple of episodes actually, of The Casketeers on Netflix. Um, It's a great show about a Maori couple, um, Francis and Kiori who um, own a funeral parlor and they handle everything with like a hint of comedy just a nice little grace and seriousness as well when it needs to be um but they talk about everything um from dealing with um family in the business the actual services they provide um of course caskets um, but also they talk about like traditional songs and dances and different things they have done to make people feel more at home and, you know, just to serve people who um, do business with them. Um, 
we wanted to talk about this because we, you know, everybody experiences death in one way or another. Um, and I thought that would just be a nice um, way to start it. Thinking about that show and how they handle it and thinking about, um, you know, having that talk. Yes, like you say, having that family talk. I think sometimes we put it off and we talk about it and then we say, oh, we don't want to hear it. Then all of a sudden you come to go to somebody's funeral and you kiki, ha-ha, and then you get home and think, oh, dang, one day I'm going to have to be in this same situation. And I think it's good for anyone in the family to step up to talk to their kids and to prepare them or yourself, you know, let's talk about it. For one, make sure you have a life insurance policy on yourself. Pay the premium because if you don't, you let it lapse, there's nothing they're going to do for you. And you don't want your family to go through hardship trying to collect money to get you a proper burial or put you somewhere. And it's a good time to have someone in your family be a power attorney or a power attorney in health. That's if you're sick and you can't speak for yourself. You already have all this stuff written out just like you will. And... Talk to your kids so you can see who is strong. And you know who's strong in your family. But if you don't have siblings or if you don't have children, find a best friend. Or have all your stuff written out if you have to go to a hospital or go to a nursing home or anything happens, they can find these papers. You can get a post box um, office um, certificate thing you can get, like a payment plan, and you can keep this information in. And just like when you're preparing yourself, you want to talk about your plans. Write it all out so it's easy. For songs, what clothes, what you want to have, how you want it, what colors. Or some people do themes. You know, make it easy on your family. That's how I feel. Yeah, it can be a sad thing to um, talk about death, um, the passing of a loved one, or think even thinking about um, someone who's close to you or someone that you love not being there. Um, it's important to have these talks because you, just like having a baby, you aren't always going to be prepared for having a loss or losing somebody um, when the day comes. But if you can do as much as you can to be prepared now, it'll save you a lot of um, stress and confusion in the long run um, when that day comes. Yeah, and, and on the flip side of that, you can even think of some of the funny things that have happened. At funerals. Sometimes you pick at the body. Sometimes you pick at what people wear. Then you might have that one cousin you haven't seen in years, and they do all this crying. You be like, what are they doing? Then when they, what they call it, the repast, you might talk about the food, the fried chicken, not right, who brought this, and, you know, they say don't eat potato salad. You know who fixed it. And sometimes you have to laugh at yourself. Uh, yeah, um, everybody handles death differently. Um, there are people who laugh at serious moments because of nervousness or different tics, um, and how they process that kind of information. So people just, you know, become mute, um, distant, all kinds of things. Um, but it's good to just appreciate the, the I guess the whole experience um, of the funeral. In my lifetime, I've only been to three. They were all very different. Um, 
and I had different relationships in um with the person who with the individual that passed also with um the people who were attending the service who were affected by the loss of the person um and it's never an easy thing to approach or deal with um I think sometimes just like your presence being there to support um to grieve like allowing your space allowing yourself space to be present is good I say the same I've been to babies even my loved ones my mom my grandmother and my great-grandmother, this happened like in a year's time. I had a double funeral. And it's not easy. I don't even know to this day how I went through it. Isn't it but the grace of God? But I think it's better to put ease with the family to be prepared. Because you're never going to be prepared, even after. But I think you just have to be strong and just take care of your family while they're here. Smile and smell the flowers now. Did you want to talk about that more, 2007? Yeah, we can. Um... In doing that, uh, like picking out caskets and handling it, I was very calm about it. Talk about who you lost. Talk, talk about. Who I lost? Well, I lost my mom. Well, we knew my grandmother was sick. And um, before that, my other grandmother, she was sick too, who adopted me and raised me. Grandma Jill May and my mom, Linda Adams Prout, Dr. Ruth Davis. These days have played a great, for now, role in my life. But you don't never think about losing them. You see people getting sick and you know they're getting older. But you never think all three are going to leave you like one, two, three at the same time. So in the process of doing that, um, I had to come up with the pictures, get the obituary together. Money that you thought people had saved, they didn't save. And everybody's pointing fingers that I thought you knew or I thought you had something. And to me, I thought it was going to be really too much for my kids to go through. They went to one funeral, but I, I I could not see them going to a double one because it was a bit much for me after I came home and embraced my kids. I was glad to see them, and I, and I would not want to take them through any of that. And that's my theory on That's why we talked about it. Yeah. Um, I remember first attending uh, Jella Mae's funeral, um, and I was appreciative of being able to um, – sent her off, um, you know, saying goodbye. Um, and we wore the same peach color. Um, I didn't, yeah, I just remember, I just wanted to wear that shirt. I wanted to look nice for grandma, for mama Jellamy. Um, and the fact that we were in the same color, you know, it was an extra like punch in the gut, but at the same time, um, I was happy that we were wearing the same color. Um, and, um, you know, placing the roses on her casket, like being able to go to her funeral and say, bye, grandma, um, help me process grief a little better. Because um, I remember when you told me she passed um, in the kitchen, I still remember it vividly how it was a brief, like, shock and pause. And then I just cried for a bit. Um, I could tell you had been crying because you were a little puffy when you came to us, but you didn't cry as we were um, going through after you told us. Um, And I remember also having other family members asking me if I knew who was in the casket 
And I'm like, yeah, this lady helped raise me. I remember her popping me when I was little for trying to wake up my little brother because I was trying to see if he was breathing. She popped me. She she said, don't mess with your little brother while he's sleeping on the bed. The bed. Um, and she, I remember to this day, this lady popped me with two fingers and my hand hurt for five minutes after. As I was, I was looking at the family member asking me, you know, do you know her? How do you, how, how do you know her? You just a baby. Da, da, da. I was like, well, I'm not a baby now. I know who this is. She raised me. Thank you. Bye. Just, you know, things like that. Um, but service was beautiful. Everything sent her home was beautiful. Um, and then I remember getting home after the funeral and you had to leave. You had to leave. I felt bad. I wanted to go with you. I, I wanted to go with you because I saw in your face the hurt that you were going through um, after hearing um, Ruth and mom, my grandma Linda, mm-hmm. both Linda of who Linda passed first, Linda passed first, and then Mama Ruth passed. Yes. And I remember you saying you you had to go. You had to go. I had to go because um, we knew one was going because my grandma, Dr. Ruth, she was in hospice. But I knew, talked to my mom that Wednesday. We talked all day long. We we, we usually do. But when she had a massive heart attack, because I was trying to find out what happened, my baby brother told me. I was on my way to work. And I was like, what? Then I had to take a deep breath and like, wow, what am I going to do? I said, my kids can't embrace this one. We just had one like in six months' time. So I prayed to God and just went with my gut. Kept in contact with my kids, came back home as soon as I could. Yeah, I just, I just, I just knew, I just felt like you needed somebody to have your back, and I wanted to be that person. And so, you know, we were holding it down at home. Um, we were with a family friend while you were away. Um, it was tough with you being up north, back home, and I knew that you were responsible for putting together the double funeral after you just put together uh, Grandma Jella May's funeral um, and having to do that on the fly while grieving the loss of three like prominent matriarchs um, in the family was difficult. And so I just wanted to be like support for you. I remember being a kid and be like, oh, I want to be able to support my mom. But my kids were so strong when I saw their faces. I could see the hurt and the loneliness. And I was like, wow. I had to stay strong for them. And plus, I had to stay strong for my brother. They couldn't do nothing. My brother got sick at the funeral home. He couldn't even go in. My baby brother, he didn't know if he was coming or going. I was asking him questions on, was this the right thing to put on here? Is this the right this? Y'all got pictures? Everybody was like, I don't care what you do, just do it. I was like, no, people do not do that. Because once you do it, people are going to always have something to say. And then at the end of the day, do what your gut tell you to do. And it's a good day. But I tell anybody, I don't wish that on no one because you don't never get over it, but you get over it. And at the end of the day, you take those pictures and you put your loved ones up and, and, and embrace them because that's what makes you who you are. That's what keeps me strong when I look at my kids because my mom didn't play. So I, I can't be no more than what she did for me. I'm going to do for my kids. I got to be strong for them and stay strong for them. But mom, I want you to know, too, you don't always have to be strong. I, I know in my 25 years of life, I know how hard it is having to be strong as a black woman in this country. 
how hard it can be and tough it can be to be strong all the time. It wears you down. I just want you to know you ain't got to be strong, strong all the time. I'm not saying you got to cry in front of us either. But when you need to let your hair down, get your groove back, cry, whatever you need to do, do that. Don't oh, I, do. I know I'm just saying I don't want you to think you always have to be strong for us. We know how strong we know how strong you are. We didn't see you with a belt. We know how strong you are. I know that. What I was saying is I don't I've seen people go through funerals and they lose their loved one. And some people adapt differently. Some people lose their mind because they it's the way they handle it. Some people hide behind things and say, Oh, I'm strong, then they turn into an alcoholic or they know they didn't do right by their family members or loved ones and Everything happens. But I'm letting you know, God got us. Oh, yeah, I believe that. But I'm just, I just wanted to be noted that, you know, when you lose somebody and you have a lot of people coming to you, or, um, you know, people always going to ask you questions, um, people asking us questions, who who's doing this, how mm-hmm. how is this going down? We didn't have any answers, but ask for help if you can. When you can um, seek professional help um, with the planning, the arrangements, um, and that's why, that, like we said, have that talk now. Have that talk while people are alive and um, cognitively aware of what they want when they go, exactly. how they want to be sent home. Um, have that conversation with them and honor, honor, so you can honor that. And not feel like that's decisions you make it based on what you think, because I know there can be um, guilt in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking you didn't make them proud or you didn't do what you, you know, what you could, or it was made in haste. Um, have those conversations now, um, so that when the day comes, you can be prepared. Yeah. Also, get help, like professional help, as far as counseling after. Um, to help process, because grief, I don't. There's not a time limit on processing grief. Um, I remember my, losing my fifth grade teacher, Miss Bryant. Yeah. That still hurts me um, sometimes, um, and that's one of the reasons why I stopped drinking soda, because um, she passed from um, liver liver cancer and things. Um, but she, like, just knowing her in, like, less than half a school year, mm-hmm. um, I have ca- I have carried her love with me since, um, and just, like, losing Jill May, that was in 2007, Grandma Linda just losing all three, um, Mom Ruth losing all three, like, you, like, I'm still, you know, that's, that's yeah. a loss, you gonna, so, um, don't rush yourself to, you know, get through grief, but also seek help, exactly. especially before you seek help in a bottle, in pills, um, in self-harm, or any kind of reckless or, you know, behavior. Seek help, somebody to talk to, to go, to help process the feelings and things like that, or just to have somebody to listen. And call your friends. Um, yeah. Because sometimes on the other end, People don't know how to handle people who are going through grief. No, nope. they'll tell you, it's okay. I know what you're going through, girl. You'll be all right. And sometimes you have to sit back and then just don't even get into it. Just let it ride. Yeah, or say, I need help or I need somebody to talk to. Yeah. Um, 
that can help as well. And just having conversations about death with your family, your kids will help you process it, help you be prepared for it. Um, I know in my brain, because growing up, you always say here and there, what would you do if I wasn't here tomorrow? Um, And it sounded harsh. It still sounds harsh sometimes when you say it, but it's true. What would I do if you weren't here tomorrow, the next night? Um, You know, tomorrow is a promise. But um, it does make me look at death in a different way. Like, I appreciate it in a different way. And I think if I would be because I'm you know you can never be prepared for losing your parent guardian whoever was in your life consistently um a loved one like you can never be prepared for the absence but I feel like when the day comes when I have to say bye mom goodbye mom um I feel like I'm gonna be ready it's gonna hurt but um like I'm choked up now, get a little choked up now, but I feel like I'm gonna be ready to go through it with my brothers, you know. However, they process it. I I feel like I'm gonna be ready on all fronts, um, as far as like knowing what paperwork to fill out, policy numbers and stuff. I know we got to go through some details because I don't know all the numbers, but I know enough, and I know like songs. I got pictures, video. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm ready. I'm ready. But I'm not ready at the same time, you know. But I I feel there's comfort in knowing the things that I feel like I need to know to do it, to get it done, to have a nice, beautiful service, to be in that position. I feel like I'm – you prepare me, Mom. I know it's hard to think about, but I feel like you prepare me even though – you know, it was hard hearing, hearing that, you know, and I do, you know, think about it here and there, like, what am I going to (laughs) do? Um, I'm not ready. Right. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, like Ross said, uh, we both appear sitting here getting teary eyed. I used to tell my kids that not to scare them, but my mom used to tell me that because I'll do some things. And she said, oh, what if I won't here now? What you going to do when I'm gone? I'm like, going where? When I'm dead and gone. I'm like, Mom, you ain't going nowhere. And then when I go to sleep at night, I'm like, oh, shoot. And I'll go over there and check on her. And I'll press her in the stomach. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm making sure you're here with me. And then I was never thinking to myself how it sounded to my kids, but I wanted them to be ready. But you'll never be ready. You can have all the papers in the world. But one thing you will have is comfort that you did what you needed to do for that loved one. Because you never get prepared for it. Yeah. Um, so have the talk. Have the talk. Um, even with your younger kids, not saying, you know, tell them, mama going to be dead, you know, any day. Dad's going to die any day. Not like that. Not. No. But, you know, have those talks and I'm like before grandma or somebody older or anybody in their family, like have the talk with with them. It'll help them process things. Kids are intelligent. They will understand and they will have questions. So have that talk with them. 
have that talk with your kids. Whoever needs to be involved in that conversation, have that conversation. You know, have it while you, you know, whip out their life insurance papers like you see in, um, what is it, the Snoopy pet life insurance commercial? Whatever that commercial was when the parents were, you know, look at these papers, got the life insurance, and they talked about it. It was a hard talk, but have that talk. Um, you know, so that in case whatever happens, yeah, you you know, yeah, you're ready. You're ready. Because I've met people who didn't, didn't go to their grandmother's funeral because their family figured they didn't know how to handle it. And knowing them now, they they are grieving because they have went to other people's funerals. They were like, why didn't they let me go? I'm like, why didn't you go? What, what were you going to do? I mean, sometimes you can protect your kids. And sometimes you got to just say, I don't want to take you here, but I'm going to drag you on anyway. So they'll know. They'll see that, you know, it's not saying goodbye. It's like saying, I'm going to see you later. That's what I'll be saying. I'm going to see you later. I know my third grade teacher um, told us not to say goodbye. Um, you weren't supposed to say goodbye if somebody's dying. So prepare for the goodbye. That's all. Prepare for the goodbye. Well, it'll be a good Goodbye. Yeah. You get to eat afterwards. Mm-hmm. hmm <laughs> Hopefully at somebody's house that doesn't have pets. That's so true. You'd be like, well, who did that? <laughs> Maybe not a potluck. Consider catering as well. Consider all the details. That's what we're saying. Just consider all the details. And you got to have a little laughter. Think all the good times and the fun times. Oh, we don't want to forget. Um, follow us online, social media. Hit us up. Hashtag uh, Talking Brown Sugar. Hashtag TB Sugar. TB Sugar. Those are separate hashtags. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Talking Brown Sugar. On Twitter at Talking Brown Sugar. That's Talking Brown SUG. You can email us at talkingbrown.sugar at gmail.com. Um, like us. We know we have consistent users. Our analytics system has been improved. We know that we have listeners in the U.S., Sweden, Ireland, and Japan. Shout out to all of our international listeners. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, when you have time, you get a chance, send us five stars, reviews, tell your friends, your peeps, everybody who listens to podcasts about talking about sugar. If you know people who like listening to radios or, you know, like on Pandora, how they have comedy or talk show stations, tell them about podcasts. Introduce people to your favorite podcast, um, a.k.a. Talking Brown Sugar. Um, but let them know that we're here. We're here. You want to hear something, you know, relatable, want us to talk about something specific, you can hit us up in our DMs, email us, or comment under a picture, a post, wherever. We'll see it. Um, Listen to us wherever you find podcasts. You know, we're all over the place, and those channels are growing every day. I'm Angela the mom. I'm Roger the daughter. We out!